We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I want to talk right now about a great company from the past. Is it a great company in the future? I don't see it yet, but we could talk about it. Let's talk about Big Blue, IBM. It's a multinational computer technology services company. They're headquartered in Armonk, New York. That's a problem. Where the hell is Armonk, New York? Who wants to live in Armonk, New York? Where are the engineers? Silicon Valley. IBM originated from bringing together several companies right around 1911. It was as far back as the 1880s. And you don't need an IBM calculator to figure out that's a long time. They punched cards and card readers to the government bureaus and insurance agencies. They became the computing tabulating recording company. Computer tabulating, computing tabulating recording company, CTR. Big Blue, the blue chip company. Thomas Watson took over the company in 1924 and he used the name International Business Machines. It has been such a long time since I've looked at IBM that I forgot their name was International Business Machines. Right? They expanded into electric typewriters and other office equipment. It was a company of salesmen, and they concentrated on building a highly motivated, well-paid sales force that could craft solutions for clients unfamiliar with the latest technology. The motto was THINK. Customers were advised to not fold, spindle, or mutilate. I know you're saying, wow, this this does go back. This is old school. Through the years, especially in the 1960s, it became a very powerful tech company that did hardware, software, and service agreements. 
I think that the computer from 2001 Space Odyssey was named after IBM. His name was Hal. And every great monster movie reflects a time of what was happening in society. Vampires were, people were moving away from religion. And look, this is what will happen to you, so says the author. Frankenstein, we were getting into more surgeries and medical processes. And this is what can happen to humanity. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, we started doing a lot of drugs and a lot of pharmaceuticals. And this is what can happen to you. Horror movies have always reflected modern day culture, which is interesting because the genre of horror that America is famous for, the United States, the United States, is the psycho. The United States. The United States came up with psycho. It wasn't a, it wasn't a horror creation that Europe could come up with. It was just your in a shower and someone stabs you to death and you don't know why because maybe you look like his mother. So what was IBM? Why did I tie this to horror movies? Because in 2001 Space Odyssey, I think we were starting to get afraid of computers. And what if a computer took over? We've heard Elon Musk talk about this. Elon Musk talk about, you know, we got to protect against robots because they will ultimately kill all humans. So IBM, if you were to look back at the company, they went through the Great Depression. They went through World War I, World War II, the Cold War with Russia. Um, they, they've lived through Linux. They've lived through a lot of, of change, right? Their history is as a manufacturing giant. They're known as Big Blue, after the color of its logo. Company's made everything from mainframes to personal computers, and it's been immensely successful selling business computers. Now, I know people that had IBM ThinkPads, which that brand got sold, but people used to swear by them just 10 years ago. So the company IBM has gone through a lot of changes, and my family got a personal computer. My father was in charge of basically computerizing the United States government, um, the United States Army in particular. He gave a contract to a little millionaire back then who became a billionaire out of Texas. But I'm digressing because I go back to we had an IBM computer in our home. It ran at 4.77 megahertz. It was the Intel AD88. Um, and it was bringing computers to your home. My father had been in the U.S. Army as a, basically as a businessman. And I got to see computers long before people got to see computers, the telephone couplers, the modems. And one of the, he brought home a IBM modem and computer, and it was basically just a printer. So with a keyboard, and you know, the monitor wasn't a monitor then. So it would print, are you ready to play NHL hockey? And you would pick a team, and then you would say, do you want to skate slow or fast? And you'd hit one, and it says, Roblox skates down the line. 
do you want to do a wrist shot, slap shot, or pass the puck? Rob Black, man, I hit pass the puck. Rob Black passes the puck. Oh, the pass got stolen. The computer marches up. He shoots, he scores. And it would just print the action. And you had to use your imagination with it. But they went from business computers to personal computers. They have dominated personal computers in the 1980s. Microsoft's Bill Gates agreed to create an operating system for IBM's new computer. Whoops. IBM messed that one up. So July 1980, you get to see Paul Allen and Bill Gates salivate. You want us to create an operating system for your personal computer? No problem. You want us to take off our clothes and dance around naked? No problem, as long as we get to do that operating system. Now, I don't think the take off your clothes and dance around naked was part of the deal for Microsoft. But IBM kind of let the crown go. They also gave, we don't really want to do the operating system, so we'll let the company Microsoft do it. And we don't really want to do the semiconductors. We just want to sell the end product. We're salespeople. So they gave Intel a big entrance into the personal computer market. Now, who's to, who's to say if IBM, if Microsoft and Intel would have done this on their own? It's tough to say. But as the change in technology has happened, I feel that IBM's got left behind. Again, they're wildly successful. They're just not 21st century cool. So IBM's leadership, they went from Sam Palomino. He became president and chief operating officer in 2000. I used to read his articles, him and Lou Gerstner, when they talked about tech. And I haven't looked at IBM since probably 2008, 2010. They're just not a tech company to me anymore, and they don't really have any... They don't do servers well. They don't, they don't do anything that you have to follow. I bring them up because at one point in time, this was the investment. This was the craziest thing you could do. This was the best investment. Not so much anymore. I'm Rob Black. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can invest in guns, you can invest in cars, you can invest in phones, healthcare. I love healthcare for the long-term patient investor because we're all getting older, and as we get older, we're consuming more pharmaceuticals. They fabricate them, we consume them. One of the stocks that I always try to learn, and I've put together profiles of probably 200 companies, and I always try to like try to figure out, <clears throat> you know, What's the competitive advantage? What's the story here? What, what can I see that they did well and see if I could ever recognize that again? There was a great idea in Trader Joe's and their real triumph. I remember the first time I heard of Trader Joe's, I was like, what do you mean? It's not Safeway or Giant or Albertsons. It's like, it's whoa. CEO Joe Columbo 
1966 had a problem. His little chain of convenience stores in L.A., Pronto Markets, they were doing very, very well. But it faced an ominous threat from 7-Eleven, which was moving into California. I know you're saying, I never really thought of 7-Eleven as an ominous threat. But if you, if you look at them now, 7-Eleven changes. They offer high-end wines in their stores trying to get millennials in. So Pronto, as a convenience store, couldn't keep up with competition that can get bigger scale. Bigger scale. Business word. So the guy with the most money wins, so said Joe, 75 years old at the time. And, uh, you know, he was an old man when he started his idea of Trader Joe's. Whoever gets the best location wins. That is so true. Location, location, location in retail is pretty important. And that's why Amazon kind of succeeded, because they said, we'll come to you. Right? You don't even have to come to us anymore. You don't have to have to be in the best mall. We'll come to you. So Joe started figuring out, how can I be more than a convenience store? And he came up with the idea of, you know, he started, you know, doing some research. He was trying to figure out a solution to, to stave them off. He read in Scientific America that more people were going to college, up 60% of Americans compared to just 2% in 1932. So America was changing there, getting more educated. He did research and he learned that Boeing, the 747, would be operational in three years, greatly reducing the cost of world travel. A lot of people don't know that, but it's true. So he decided, the founder of Trader Joe's, that he could design his stores to appeal to that new demographic, people who were flying and people who were educated. Now, the flying on the 747 was, it became more budget-oriented, so people were willing to do it. So he put those two facts together. He went on a vacation to the Caribbean islands, and he started doing some thinking. And while he was on the beach, he hatched the idea for Trader Joe's. Now, keep the idea of beach in your head. He evoked the same, he wanted to evoke the same relaxed feeling of taking a 747 to the Bahamas and being on vacation, settled in the South Seas. You know, that's, that's, that's where he went. He could have gone more Hawaiian, he went more South Seas, he could have gone more uh, Bahama. So when he opened his first Trader Joe's in Pasadena, he put fishnets and oars up on the walls. If you've ever been in a Trader Joe's and go, what's up with the fishnets and the oars? He modeled, model sailing ships were on the counters. He called the manager the captain. So he was sitting on the beach and he comes up this idea on Trader Joe's. People like discount travel. People like to feel like they're in another part of the world. You know, peppermint, I take one bite of a peppermint patty and I'm on the top of a cold mountain enjoying the wild winds as they race through my face. And then you see it's just a secretary sitting at her desk. People like the escape. Romance novels sell for a reason. So not only was the manager called the captain, which I find ridiculous, but I'll keep it to myself. The assistant manager was called, that's right, the first mate. All the staff were crew members, and all of them wear Hawaiian shirts. Joe decided that he doubled the floor space of a convenience store. So he started to figure it out. He got some boutique items that shoppers couldn't find anywhere else. That's true today. While doing his research, he read a correlation between education and alcohol consumption. This is upsetting. The more schooling one had, the more one drank. So his idea was to get smart people in by offering 100 brands of scotch, 20 brands of brandy, 50 brands of whiskey. 
he also went with California wines. And you know what came up out of that? Two buck chuck. Because people want discount travel. People want discount wine. That's not too bad. So he started expanding more locations. And uh, everyone was like, why are you so, why are you privately run? Why don't you go public? And the concept continues to work without it. He looked for educated, adventurous, playful with an eye on the budget. I mean, I've bought some things there that are like uh, from India that, that now is at other stores, but they weren't originally. So Joe didn't intend to go in the grocery business. He was a Stanford grad in 1954. The economy was in a recession. He accepted the only job he'd get, which was a researcher for a drugstore, trying to figure out for Savon or why Savon was killing the drugstore chain, Rexall. He ended up running you know, Pronto Market. Intrigued by the possibilities, he secured financing from Bank of America, and he bought it. And he held 51% of the stock, and his employees held 49%. That's pretty generous to a T. To give customers the best shopping experience, he sought out not only hard workers, but people who are easy, friendly, and smart. Apple does the same thing with the Apple Store. Visa does the same thing with their employees. Visa doesn't hire all CFAs. They hire people who are like marine biologists. So having a staff that's friendly and nice is what he wanted. The next step, he had to retain people and trying to run stores at low training costs and low low margins is a tough thing to do. Um, so he pays his full-time employees, the median California family income, about $50,000 in today's dollars. He paid his employees well, and they became loyal to him. There were occasionally three generations of a family working for him. Now, that's kind of nuts, right? My daddy worked at Trader Joe's. My daddy's daddy worked at Trader Joe's, and I work at Trader Joe's. My kid will work at Trader Joe's. But that's how good he was as a businessman. He increased sales for same-store sales at 18% compounded annual rate for years. Today, they say if a Whole Foods market is in your neighborhood, it helps the value of your home. Trader Joe's, for the longest time, didn't really have that. So they decided, Trader Joe's decided, we're going to become health food and liquor store. So there's a lot of granola, nuts, dried food, vitamins, cheese, um, a lot of stuff there. So Trader Joe's is a great American story, and a lot of people don't know the story. Um, But I think it's important to hear. Joe got the same products for less, and he branded them Trader Joe, like, you know, a pirate, someone who can help bridge the Mexican... You know, whiskey with the U.S. shopper. That's genius. Pretty smart story on Trader Joe's. I don't know if you like Trader Joe's or hate Trader Joe's. I don't know if you like Costco or hate Costco. I don't know if you like samples or not. Whole Foods, are you snooty and want $4 turkey or $1? Like, I don't know. It's all the same to me. But that's the story of Trader Joe's. and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
investors is a guy named Ron Mullenkamp. Ronald Mullenkamp. Ronald. Whoa. And um, his website, his last name is M-U-H-L-E-N-K-A-M-P. Mullen's pretty easy to remember, M-U-H-L-E-N, but Camp K-A-M-P adds a little bit of stress to it. He posts a lot of his writings on his webpage from you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think he's a great investor, and I do pay a lot of attention to what he says and what he's written in the past. Um, as an investor, his you know, five-year track record was typically like 14 15%. And that's pretty good when it's consistent. Anyone can hit a home run. But to do it consistently, that's the trick, right? It is for me, at least. Um, so I like Rod Mullenkamp. Who do you like? You know, you know that I every now and then I tell you a couple of other people I I like, like Scott Galloway. Now he's not an investor; he's just kind of a guy who talks about big companies who happen to be publicly traded. So he teaches me some of the things that could go wrong, or some of it I totally agree with, some of it I totally disagree with. So find your Buddha and your guru. Don't think that they're going to be your stock picker. Think that they're going to be the people to kind of teach you how to fish. If someone paid a lump sum, oh, I'm switching topics. I like Moon Camp. I like Galloway. And now you know. Speaking of which, you know what I watched the other day on Roku? Roku has a channel on their Roku devices. That's free. And they've got some pretty good movies. They've got like the Mad Max movie. Free. Um, and again, it, it's not Rocky 1, Rocky 2, or Rocky 3. Free. And uh, the first beginning of Rocky. Dun, 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 dun. And I'll, I'll just watch that and I'll turn the movie off. I just need the first 15 seconds of Rocky to pump me up. But I was watching a Roku. Ow. Right? Everyone's done this while running, pretended to be Rocky for a minute, for a second. Yo, Adrian. Anyhow, Roku offers that for free <clears throat> and it's ad supported, which is, it gets a little annoying because you get in the world of Netflix and there's no commercials. But then again, you're like, maybe, well, I'm not actually paying for this either. And sometimes you go through Netflix and you're like, oh, there's nothing new. I'm done with it. They spend $8 million, $10 million a year on content and I can't find anything to watch, right? So, but the, I watched Alf the other day. I had a best friend who was uh, in college when Alf was out and, uh, he used, my dad died and he used to go, let's see, am I telling the story correctly? That sounds, no, it was a little, no, it was when my dad was sick. He would go over to my house cause I was off in college, different state kind of thing. And he'd go visit my little sister and he'd watch Alf with her. So I was like, I'm going to watch Alf in memory of Brian. Um, I haven't seen him in 20 plus years, right? It is an awful show. Americans were entertained by awful, awful shows in the 80s. But neither here nor there. Um, it's funny, though. The, the house by the mom would say, hey, Alf. Um, and, and Alf was a thing that looked like a kangaroo with a long nose, alien life form. It was a comedy. And the housewife would say, hey, Alf, have you seen my yellow earrings? He goes, what color are they? Ha! I kill myself. <laughs> I, I know, right? Uh, anyway, I totally digress. So here's the problem with 
investing in real estate versus stocks. A lot of people really get kind of like bogged down into it. And you can become kind of, you can make yourself crazy trying to figure out what to do right and what to do wrong. If you paid a lump sum of $100,000 for a home in 1970 California, you would own a million dollar home free and clear. So, right, 30 years later. However, you invested $100,000 in the stock market in 1970 and then invested $1,000 to $2,000 per year, which is the equivalent of property taxes, you would have $2 million. Who's the winner? Is it the stock market or is it the housing market? You got to put money down on a home. Traditional 20% down purchases, if you put some you know, $20,000, you pay $10,000 uh, property income taxes for 25 years, it doesn't go as far as the investment did. Um, so I'm not saying stocks are better than bond, uh, real estate. I'm saying fact is they are. Now, again, people go, oh, my daddy said. People get caught up in the past. I think Kennedy once said, the past is a bucket of SH, and you finish it, right? Ancient Chinese secret, whisk, get rid of, ring around the collar. That's a commercial that wouldn't fly today. A very uh, Chinese broken accident lady talking about Chinese secrets and how whisk is the best way to get your laundry clean. That would not fly today. That is inappropriate behavior. That's terrible. So I was talking to someone at a seminar recently, and he was like, I've been listening to you for 20 years. And uh, I was like, okay, let's do a battle of Rob Black-isms. Uh, Can we do it? Are you seeing where I'm going at with this? Um, some Rob Black radio sayings that, you know, you kind of can uh, say the same thing a lot. You do 15 hours of radio a week. It starts to add up. You do television in there and you do some internet. Don't fight the markets. That's number one. Accounting irregularities equals sell. Immediately, no questions asked. If the financials have to be restated, you'll sometimes hear companies, and even Donald Trump says this, my taxes are being audited all the time. You wouldn't be able to understand what's going on. Your little pea-sized brain can't process the bigness of Trump's enterprises. But when a company is always being audited, that equals accounting irregularities to me. And I just run. I cut and run. It's not my thing. I like buying sector leaders, the best of the breed. Um, I know a lot of people go, but that's so expensive. I want to buy the next one or the one who's coming up, you know, the one who's going to piggyback. And uh, no, that's not me. I don't like the coattail riders. You don't have to. It's not a game of, you know, someone's going to look at your portfolio and go, oh, you only own winners. Oh, you only own the big guys. I get it. You don't like small guys. I don't, if, if you go to buy a dog and it's got fleas, I'm like, I'll pass. It's already mangy. It's going to make me mangy. It's going to make my house mangy. It's going to make my brain mangy. Mangy house, mangy house, right? Mangy house, mangy mind. <laughs> Sorry, Fido. But don't buy a dog with fleas. And a lot of investments become dogs with fleas. They fall apart and we're like, well, I'm just going to hold it for one more month. Don't buy IPOs that are less than one year old especially in that 90-day to 120-day period. 
that's when the lockup happens. And that's when a lot of people who've been working at the company for years and years and years start selling their shares. And suddenly the stock wasn't moving on 8 million shares. Suddenly it's moving around on 32 million shares. And it's tough to get kind of like some push on it. When a company like Uber IPOs or Facebook IPOs, there's a big rush to like, I want to own some of it. I want to own us. Everyone's made money before you. I look for quarter and quarter and year over year increase in revenues and earnings in good times and bad times. I'm looking to protect uh, the company, protect the portfolio. And it, I don't have to have growth. I just can't have decelerating growth. Don't chase a stock or sit on a spike chasing a stock. When you see a company go from four to 120, everyone's made money, but you, if a company, if you own a company, so that's when you don't chase a company, you don't have to own it. You could buy pieces of it if you want to, scaling in. But don't sit on a spike. Little Miss, Little Miss Muffet. Don't be Little Miss Muffet. Right? When a company goes like from 20 to 30, there's no sh- if it goes there in like a week, there's no shame taking some money off the table. It may go from 30 to 300 and you'll kick yourself in the hiney, but there's also no shame in, in booking a profit. Ring the cash register. You can ring my bell. Ring my cash register bell. Uh, never let fear, greed influence your buy-sell decision. Uh, due to the fact that I had a father who was an alcoholic and he kind of like taunt me, not physically, just mentally, he wanted me better, but he didn't know how to do it. So he, he kind of like, Oh, don't be a dummy. Um, due to that, I, I, I hit a lot of emotions cause I didn't want him to prey on my emotions of being happy or sad. You know, we had a thing when I was a kid of don't turn on the tears. So like if you took a, kickball or a soccer ball in the face, my brothers would start, you know, rubbing their ears in kind of a, a turn dial motion. Like, come on, Rob, don't turn on the tears. <laughs> That's making me cough. Um, so I, I, I did, I, I hid my emotions when I got hurt. I didn't act hurt. So I'm a good investor because I don't get emotional. I don't, you know, get greedy or fearful. I'm in a glass case of emotion. I wish I was in a glass case of emotion, but you get the idea. Um, before you buy a stock, say, I'm going to own this for the short term, medium term, or long term. And, and qu- try to try to quantify that. These are all things that I've said in the last 20 years again and again and again and again. Don't be a bottom fisher. Have you ever been fishing and what lives on the bottom? Nasty, ugly catfish. I used to be a bottom fisher in my dating life. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Don't yeah. buy stocks that are bottom fishers. You know, take a look. You are looking for increasing revenue quarter to quarter, year over year. You're looking for improvements, bottom line, financials, management ability, quality products. There's some great companies out there. Don't be a fool and look for the guys who are the worst companies. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
So every 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I like to read some of my research that I put together 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And there was a point in time where we talked a lot about BRICS. Do you remember that? Brazil, Russia, India, and China. That was a big story in 2000, 2001. Huge. We started talking about these expanding middle classes, Brazil, Russia, India, and China back in 2001. So when I reread my notes on that, um, it, it kind of made me scratch my head. Now, we, they've been talking about the brick, and now they're talking about fang. And no one's really talking about brick anymore, and everyone's talking about fang, right? So there's a lot of gloom on a lot of cyclical challenges, and we're looking at developed economies and growing economies. And, you know, the best investments are in growing economies. China should be, in my opinion, way higher than it is now because of how much growth they have. But they kind of cheat a little bit. They're not pure capitalism. They're not letting companies fail sometimes. And they're saying, you know, we're going to step in and do it. So when Brazil, Russia, India, and China didn't exactly work out. And, you know, India, we were like, well, India's got more colleges and a better education system and better politics. And Brazil's got, you know, uh, commodities. So you, you flash forward 10, 15 years, and you're like, whoa, now we've got fangs. Back then we had bricks, and no one's talking about them anymore. So you got to be kind of careful. Um, in the research that I wrote, automakers are fleeing from Detroit to Moscow to, and St. Petersburg. I'm like, I don't know that's necessarily true anymore. And now we're building more cars in the United States in different ways. And this was back in 2008 when I wrote that note to myself. So be careful on getting caught up because I remember doing this radio show, pounding bricks, and not so much these days. I love a good story stock. And when stories, I'm always paying attention. I don't have to have like sex appeal on a stock. Um, I'm doing more camp and America's doing more. Oh, but wait, wait, before I finish that. So, okay, well, the more camping, the more camping gear as I get older, I'm, I'm spending more money on. So like a Yeti cooler is awesome so that you're not pouring water out of your cooler after one day because all the ice melts. And that appeals to Americans. So as I continue to put together research for you, remember how I said back in 2000 to 2008, we're talking about the growing middle class in Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And middle class tends to be consumers. They tend to smoke cigarettes and eat more protein. And there's great investments that you can find off of you know, middle class. They, they, they want to go on vacation. So there's easy pickings. Now, what's interesting is Brazil, Russia, India, and China grew their middle class. I think the United States middle class has shrunk on a lot of levels, the, the haves and the have-nots. So do yourself a favor. Write some things down. I think when you write it down, it makes it true. It kind of puts you into a category of, this is my opinion. And if you can judge yourself later, I think that's a good thing. So... If you can scorecard yourself, scorecards are awful. They're awful, awful, awful. But I love scorecards, right? So I think that's kind of important. Avoid being God syndrome. <clears throat> I think God syndrome, you'll see some people out there, a lot of radio shows, a lot of guests on TV, who act like they're always right. People will call into my show, knowing that gold is going to $600 an ounce. People will call in knowing that gold is going to 3000 People will start thinking that fuel cells are going to be the next red-hot thing, and fuel cells really never caught on. Tesla's self-driving cars will be the next hot thing, and I, I don't know if we're ever going to have fully you know, self-driving cars with the roads that we have in the United States. It just uh, the two kind of, kind of bash heads. Financial news is something that you need to understand, 
is useless. Financial news helps people who trade gold and stock traders. So if you're an investor, CNBC should do you no good. If you're a trader that invests in gold, you want to see where the, are we in the good times or are we in the bad times? So just be cautious. I remember back in 2001, right before 9-11. So 9-11 happened in September and in August. All the news stations were talking about the summer of the shark. And you believed there was enough Americans who had been bitten by sharks that summer that if you, you believe that if you even stepped on the beach, you might get bit. That's how many shark bites there were. But after 9-11 and in 2002, you know how many stories were on, on beaches and sharks? None. None. Headline news is awful. Um, it's an awful indicator of the future is what I'm trying to get at. Stories, you know, I, I, I thought about this the other day. I, I like following ho- hockey or basketball on, on news. Like, hey, what's going to happen with this team? What's going to happen in that team, right? And I'm, I'm thinking if you're a beat writer for a hockey team, how difficult it must be to write 150 stories. And do you just go back and copy that last year's 150 with different players and different, you know, uh, stories? Or do you do it? Do you figure out how it matters? Or do you figure out how it plays? I think market timing is a bit of a scam. And you've heard people go, join my group and I'll t- tell you when to buy and sell. I'd be very cautious on that. Show me one person with a market timer worth $10 million. Show me someone who turned 10000 into $10 million. Now, the people who sell you the newsletter that tells you they can do that, they've done well. The people who sell you the software who, who promises to give you access to the investment God's ears, they, they make money on the software, but not on the trades. So if you doubled your money every two to four months, or you take a class that starts at $99 or $400, if you really believe that, those lead to $4,000 classes. They're not one-on-offs. $10,000 doubled every four months is $5.3 trillion in 10 years. It ain't that easy. Don't look for shortcuts. Write down things you believe in. Become a better investor. Learn from your mistakes. Be patient. I'm Rob Black. Take care. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.